Jerry Leger's newest album, Nothing Pressing, was released March 16th, 2022, and it is the best. Full of energetic and carefully crafted melodies and lyrics, Leger again displays why so many think he's one of Canada's great rock and roll artists, as well as a preeminent songwriter. Jerry joined me in conversation about his career, songwriting, approach, tour plans. Welcome Jerry Leger to Behind the Drive Shortcuts on the Bay. My name is Douglas McLean. Start with the um, the gig you're doing up here so that people get a sense of that and we get mm. that in front. So that's April 1st, right? Is that yeah, the, the, at uh, Bracebridge Hall. Yeah. And, and uh, it's just going to be a more acoustic, you yeah. know, more intimate show. The night before, we're in Toronto doing a big right. full band release show for the album. Right. And I thought it'd be great for the night after to to do it more stripped down. Yeah. You know, just acoustic guitar and yeah. my bass player, Dan Mock, on Upright. Right. You know? and, and, and Bracebridge Hall is a... Uh, it, it, it's a perfect room for that. You know, I, I, we played there as a band um, when they first opened and oh. that was a lot of fun, but I, I think this will be, you know, uh, 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 even more. Um, yeah. Just the space I think lends itself to it a little bit better. Oh, great. Yeah. So I didn't know you'd been up here before. So when I, I saw the notice, I was kind of excited um, because. Uh, oh, good. Yeah. I'm glad for you. I'm sure the audience is here. I'm still a little gun-shy about going out to concerts because um, I'm a little bit right. older than you yeah. guys, so uh, I have to be a little bit cautious. But, uh, yeah, I'm sure it'll be a great, great show. And then, after that, so. after yeah. that, you're heading out onto a huge run across Europe, like almost immediately, yeah. right? April and May. So... Uh, so can you tell us a little bit about that? Like you'll be gone for two months or yeah. something, right? Yeah. Uh, well, it's, yeah, it's about um, five weeks. Uh, we have 21 dates over there. Uh, a lot of the shows are uh, rescheduled from uh, 2020 okay. and then 2021. Because uh, we were originally, it was going to be our fourth tour over there in 2020. Right. when we were going to go in 2020 and it was going to be supporting a record that we had just released called time out for tomorrow. Oh, yeah. But of course with the pandemic and yeah. stuff like that, everything, uh, uh, uh stopped. Right. Um, so those, a lot of those shows carried over, uh, until now and we'll be promoting, uh, a new record, but we'll still be doing uh, a bunch of songs from uh, the last studio record because right. uh, we didn't really get, get to the tour. tour that one that much. Yeah. I did an East Coast tour, like a, a duo tour right. out there and uh, and a few Ontario dates in Montreal, but that was about it. Like the heavy touring was going to be in 2020 for right. it, um, but that's, uh, uh, yeah, that couldn't happen. So yeah, we're looking forward to it. it you know, it, it, it's, it's as far as I know, it's happening. You know, yeah. the flights have been booked and, uh, you know, things are rolling with it. So uh, we're, got we're, uh, we're looking forward to getting back out. Yeah, know, for sure. Time. Yeah. You got your iodine pills and your lead vest and all of that stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. I what, know. A, what a crazy world. Uh, how Holy much more crazy can things get, right? <laughs> It's just un yeah. unbelievable, unbelievable. It's just, uh, I yeah. can't even, I can't, every morning I get up and go, okay. So I've been thinking that we need to create one of those uh, spin the wheel, you know, and just say, okay, the disaster spin the wheel for today sort of thing. And it's just nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, it's uh, pretty crazy, yeah. you know. Yeah. But, uh, but we have music, you know. We yes, have you do. It's a good, it's a good uh, place to turn to. Right, you know. and and you have this incredible new song. Have you ever been happy? Which I want to talk to you a bit about in a few minutes. But first, I, I just going back to 2019 and time out for tomorrow. Many considered that to be one of the great uh, breakout albums, and uh, for you, I mean, there was a lot of, lot of uh, really nice. Um, 
PR around it and some really nice reviews. And that's sort of where I got introduced to your music. I have friends of mine who'd been listening to you before that. And that, I really got taken by that and then started to follow you quite closely. And uh, I mean, you you went through a pretty hard time there when that tour got all knocked apart there and stuff. At least on your social media, you seem to have gotten a little bit concerned about things. But you kept writing songs, so... Um, now, yeah, th- that album, kept busy, yeah, kept busy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Now that album had uh, a very distinctive sound to it. Uh, uh, can you share a little bit about the, how that all came together and how, what your thinking was on that? And uh, certainly, there's a couple of songs on there I'd love to talk to you about, but uh, maybe just give us a yeah, time out for tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Uh, time out for tomorrow. I, I I wanted to make, uh, you know, I kept describing it as uh, a, a a very bright and inviting record. Not so much, uh, you know, big production or mm-hmm. overproduction or trying to make a pop record. You know, I'm I'm uh, I think uh, uh, my my writing style and, and the way that I like to do things, I'm, I'm incapable of making like <laughs> uh, uh, something forced like that. But right. I want, I did want to make an album that uh, was, was more inviting to uh, the average listener than maybe some of my other records. Right. Um, and really the way to do that was I just, I wanted things very tight and concise, you okay. know, like, yeah. like, uh, uh, you know, the arrangements were very tight on that record and, uh, uh, you know, everything, everything about it, the arrangements, everything was very, um, cutting the fat and making it, yeah. you know, uh, just what it needed to be. And, and, uh, yeah, I think we got uh, very close to the sound that was in my head, and really, and the 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 kind of the kind of bright records that I love. You know, like there's certain records that come to mind for me that just have a certain feel when you put them on. Um, you know, just like uh, top of my head, uh, uh, David Bowie's Ziggy Stardust. Sure, yeah. You know, like that record, like like concepts uh, aside, but just the actual sound, sound of yeah. that record. Yeah is very uh it's not bottom heavy it's very like bright and inviting there's something about the production of that particular record compared to hunky dory the previous album which is probably an even greater album right yeah but it doesn't it's not as inviting as uh, and that's kind of mentality i had with time out for tomorrow like okay well this will be our damn the torpedoes or something right know, where the songs are still very strong but but they're uh they're they're uh at least the hope was that they would be a little easier to get into right. uh uh than than maybe some of the other stuff that i'd put out right. up to then right i mean it had that sort of elvis costello uh feel you know you can almost uh, you know, almost see, yeah, Tom Petty's a good reference too, and and almost sort of like a Springsteen kind of feel to it, although I wouldn't even compare it to those. It really had mm. you in there. I mean, something quite of your own. And it, it was kind of, it's a joy to listen to, that's for sure. There's some great tunes on that. Well, thank and, you. Yeah. Well, that makes sense, you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, also mentioning Springsteen, like I, I couldn't, I'd be lying if I said that he was a, a big influence on me, although I do uh, love some of his records quite yeah. a bit. But that's a good example because Springsteen's always made albums that, that were, yeah. you know, very strong but inviting for yeah, listeners. Yeah. And that's kind of what Time Out for Tomorrow is in my discography. Yeah. It's the very... Uh, you know, hey, I'm, I'm a, you know, yeah, we can be friends. You know, it's like that kind of record. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, and you, and so, so do you mind? Did you? So this was in your thinking when you went into that. I mean, that's 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 pretty visionary in a way. Yeah. 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 I mean, so did you? I usually don't. I usually don't have that kind of. I usually don't have that kind of. Uh, you know, I mean, maybe there's some slight concepts, or I, I, I kind of. 
um, each record i have an idea of of, of sort of what i want to do really? like if if a record's going to be swaying in in a, a more acoustic direction or rock and roll or a mixture right. but i i but time over tomorrow is the only album i've made where where i i had a clear idea of how i wanted it to sound before right. we went in that's and and yeah. did did uh did Mike Timmons produce that as well? Was he on board for that, or did you have a different? He did, producer? yeah, yeah. You're well. He really he produced. Yeah, he he produced that. Yeah, yeah. Well, but but time of the the difference was is that I, yeah, like I had more of an idea of yeah. of how I wanted that record to sound. Yeah. So you know, part of Mike's job was you know, keeping us on task to, to, uh, produce that kind of album, right. you know, but, uh, but yeah, sound more than the other albums that he's, he's produced, uh, that particular record. I, I, I had more of, of a, yeah, of a vision yeah. of, of how I wanted that album to, to, uh, uh, be, yeah, uh, well, to end up. Yeah, well, you caught it. I mean, uh, how, how, whatever you've envisioned certainly is there, and there's some very memorable tunes yeah, on you. there. Um, before we go that Thanks. and farther with that, I'd like to ask about the band a little bit, the situation, because uh, can you tell us a little bit about mm -hmm. how you guys got together? And it seems to me. Um, you seems to have, you seem to have known each other a long time. The few times I've seen videos of you and stuff. So um, can you share a little bit? It's just a, a trio, right? Or is there a bigger band than that? Uh, well, uh, yeah, I guess the uh, the main core at the moment is is a trio. Uh, uh, Kyle Kyle Sullivan who who plays drums. Uh, we went to high school together and, oh, and okay. uh, you know, we've been playing nonstop together since we were uh, 19 and, <laughs> um, and Dan, Dan mock on bass. He's been in the band since 2007. So right, yeah. a pretty long time. And we had uh, James McKay who, who played different instruments. He was in the band from, to late 2006 up until the end of 2019 right so you know a lot of uh changes happen you know like uh leading up to the pandemic and then of course with the pandemic uh so, yeah a lot going on and and right. uh so moving forward uh we have uh for for lead players, solo players, we at the moment we just have uh, like extended family, you know, in a mm, way. Yeah. We have uh, Tim Bobacani, uh, who's who's uh, produced and co-produced my first six records or something really? like that, and he's a, a good buddy of all of us, and he's always been sort of like you know, in the band in a way, and uh, and and. For the European tour, we have uh, a good buddy of ours, Alan Zemitis, who has also he was on Time Out for Tomorrow, okay. and and uh, and we've we've played with him and hung out with him for quite a bit. And Dan and Kyle have uh, other projects that right. that they uh, that they they uh, have with him. Um, so that's kind of how it is moving forward. Like we don't have uh, I, I you know there's not like a Dan and Kyle have been like the, the heart, they're yeah. definitely the, yeah. the, the most yeah. consistent because they're still, you know, we're, we're really, uh, you know, their, their commitment is, uh, yeah. is right there with me, you know, and, and, yeah. uh, yeah, you know, there's so much more to do. That's the, yeah. the the beautiful thing about it, you know. So, you know, I I thought that your new album, uh, Nothing Pressing, is actually your fourth album, but you're saying there's more. So I must be really missing a bunch of your back catalog. Uh, well, so yeah, I nothing. A, yeah, I have a, I think this is my 11th album, <laughs> actually. Geez, I'm really out of touch, one. man. I apologize. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, well, and I've just been... I've been busier than others, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> and you have other side projects too. I read on your bio, you're in the yeah. other. Can you you want to share the a little bit of a story about those with the audience, and maybe they'll 
Like, can you tell us a bit about them? Yeah, uh, a great side project that I have um, that also involves, you know, pretty much all the musicians that we played with, you know, mm-hmm. all our friends, uh, the Delphi's, that's the the band name. And, and that's a, a, a very loose rock and roll band. You right. know, we recorded uh, two studio albums. Both were recorded in one day, live off the floor. Most of the musicians didn't know the songs, you know, you're just feeding off each other, you know? And, right. and yeah. uh, so there's a, there's a lot of spontaneity about it. And really that the Delphi's came about because I, I just wanted something that didn't have any pressure. Cause as, as much as I, I love what I normally do and I'm passionate about it, there, there is an element of pressure because you're, you're uh, that's what you do for a living, right. you know? Yeah. And uh, there's a lot of expectations and, and uh, you know, of course you want things to go well and, and uh, you know, for everyone in the camp to, to be doing well. So the Delphi was like something that we could just really let loose and not have, right. you know, any real responsibility to yeah. anything, yeah. you know, besides uh, uh, playing music. And, right. and uh, so that's something we in between tours and our own shows we do a lot of delphi shows like we'll play really you know the the clubs and bars around toronto and Mm. and that's you know a lot of what we do uh when we're not doing the main thing yeah no um and (laughs) yeah well that's a lot of that's a lot of uh things to keep it a lot of balls to keep in the air in a way i guess you're having a lot of fun though and uh I, I suspect too yeah. that those other projects help with your main body of work as well. I mean, they must keep your creative uh, energies flowing and things like that in a way. Um, you know, um, do you like so? Do you play? I have not seen you live. So, like, are you an elect? You you play electric guitar, I think, don't you? Play some sort of Telecaster or something, or do you switch back and forth yeah. between? Uh, yeah, yeah. I- yeah, I switch back and forth uh, these days. When we started, uh, unless I was playing a solo show, I, w- I was always playing electric with the band. And, and then from about 2007 to, uh, to 2012, I mainly played acoustic okay. live and uh, and just let our, our guitarist uh play electric and stuff like that but i started missing it you know right yeah i mean for i was also doing it because it was a a, a, a bit of laziness you know we go on on tour and pack the van and yeah. like oh i just have to bring one guitar you know yeah. but i started missing yeah going between the two so so since you know the last 10 years i i the band shows i switch between acoustic and, and right. electric and uh yeah and of course like solo duo shows yeah. you know like I'll, I'll i'll just play acoustic yeah right. and yeah telly uh yeah i have a couple tellies that's okay. like my main thing and i also have a epiphone casino for the oh really listening. really yeah um and that's that's like a fun you know it's just like a cheaper guitar that that's yeah. really fun to play because yeah. it, it just howls it, it, yeah. it breaks up nicely and yeah. it has a has a cool sound. So those are the the main electrics. Well, I mean, look acoustics have of a few old Gibsons yeah, and stuff. Yeah, sure. I mean, well, look at John Lennon did with a casino. I mean, you know, he that was his main guitar, right? Epiphone. Yeah. Well, that's part of the inspiration, right? <laughs> you know, I just saw an amazing uh, interview, yeah. or not an interview, but a documentary about why they chose those guitars, and what they found was they had to take all the paint off them. Have you ever heard that story? So they stripped the paint off of them, and that's how they got Oh, that. yeah, for the wood to breathe a bit, yeah. right? <laughs> that's how they got that big sound out of it. And, I mean, Lennon, I don't know how the heck he got that. Uh, um, he got a beautiful sound out of that guitar. And Harrison had one, too, apparently. Well, all three of them apparently had one at some point, so... That's pretty cool. I I've never actually seen it. Yeah, all three. It's still Paul's guitar. Yeah, I've never actually seen anybody in concert with one up here. Yeah, well, it's still Paul's. Yeah, it's still Paul's favorite electric. Yeah, 
Uh, John Lennon, it was his main guitar from 1966 to 71. Right. He used it uh, pretty much all the time uh, up until uh, and including the Imagine record. Right. Uh, George Harrison, it was the, uh, he used that a lot. Uh, yeah, 66 it's all over rain Sgt. pepper it's yeah you rain know. and uh, and and most of the guitar solos that that paul has played on record he used his casino because really? they just love the the attack that you could get from it yeah you know, it, it uh it's a guitar that breaks up really nicely because it's a hollow body yeah so it just really you know you yeah. don't get it you don't get quite that sound from from other yeah from other guitars and yeah. uh yeah. What kind fun. of pick what kind of pickups does it have? Is there like are they nineties or some P nineties? P nineties. Yeah, really. Yeah, so it yeah, would, it would you, yeah. you wouldn't want to stand in front of your amp, dude. They're go, pretty hot. They'd howl pretty Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, they're they, pretty hot. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, imagine. that's why they're not they're not they're not great on stage yeah. because they the, the there's feedback problems right. i mean when george harrison and john lennon they they used the casinos on their last tour in 66 right. but of course back then they didn't have monitors in front of them right yeah like with the sound that would, would just loop, you know, yeah. get into the guitar and, yeah. and make it just feedback yeah. so they wouldn't have had that problem but but playing it after that yeah it yeah. would be a bit yeah difficult but you can work with that too you know you can yeah. work with the feedback and distortion depending on the yeah. the track you know it's you know not to digress but it's hard to imagine you know the what masters they were <laughs> for such young men i mean they really knew what they were doing holy yeah. crap now um well you got to be fearless too right yeah 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 well, certainly that shows through in some of your songs. And uh, before we go on to some songs, I wanted to ask you also about your book. Like, so y you have one book, or is it more than one? Uh, you have a book of poetry, and uh, can yeah, where can people, how, where can people get that from? Is it published somewhere, or is it off your webpage, or? Yeah, it was just self-published. I just did a, a, a small run, a small edition of it. Uh, and it is still available from uh, my online store on my website, right. com. It's also available through uh, my Bandcamp for those that prefer oh, to use yeah. uh, a Bandcamp to, to buy merch. So it's available on, on those too, yeah. And yeah, it's just a collection of poetry that I put together uh in 2020 you know we we a lot of us had more free time and yeah. it was something that i'd been wanting to do uh for some years yeah. uh another side project that i i put together the bop Fies, that was uh uh jazz music and i would just recite poetry over top you know i just wanted to do something out of the box and wow. my original plan was to put out that album with the poetry book but right. You know, it 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 was uh, it just didn't come together in time, right. and with uh, having more free time, I was able to do some things that uh, you know uh, I just hadn't had that that uh, those spare moments to put right. together. So I'm I'm you know that's kind of a silver lining. I was able to uh, to get that out, and, right. and uh, yeah, and people seem to really really dig it right now were you writing poetry before that i mean because that's quite a different art form i mean uh from even from lyric writing um so did you have poetic yeah. influences in your life somewhere or was that something that was sort of burning in uh, for you to try or yeah well like that's where i started you know oh like, really okay uh, yeah. i i started writing poetry and and words and and like you mentioned lyrics like a lot of uh i mean lyrics can be poetry too sure. and and uh i mean certainly people like leonard cohen uh you know he's always been a big influence on on my writing okay. and uh, uh yeah you know like a lot of there's a lot of words in the poetry book that that could have been songs they could okay. have been 
turn into lyrics you know it, it's about a rhythm of it you know yeah. like uh, uh some of those poems i i, I could have taken and shaped them a little right. differently and, yeah. and and made them songs and yeah, yeah. so it, it's that it lives in in the same the same world i think yeah. you know because that's just the way that i write yeah i see you got your leonard cohen t-shirt on there i mean he he was, uh, you know. The, oh, yeah. Well, there we go. <laughs> I mean, one of my very. Yeah, I, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, my very first introduction into Canadian wor- world of arts was through a book of his, Flowers for Hitler. When I went to high school with this, I don't know if you've ever seen this book, but right. I walk into my English. I had an English teacher who I just yeah, stunned I me. It. Oh, really? First thing he asked me, I was, I think, 16 or something or 15 or something. I'm thinking, I walk in, I'm so proud of this book, right? I saved for weeks to buy this little book. I think it cost four bucks or something. And uh, he says, well, what, is it, what does the title mean? And I didn't know. I couldn't figure out what he meant. He said, well, that's the whole key to what this book of poems is about. And uh, yeah, he really, he really chased me around because he didn't think Cohen was really a serious poet. You know, he was more into sort of the older guys like Elliot and Ezra Pound and all. Well, those guys. you know, I, 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 you know, I don't like the academic part of it. You That's know, right, like I, yeah. I, I've always disliked, you know, uh, being asked to, you know, explain. Uh, why I like something or other yeah. people's works or my own works, yeah, you know, right, like yeah. uh, ex- tell me what, what this is exactly about, you know, because you're, you're just, you're just, uh, uh, you're just letting it come out of you, you right, know, yeah. you're uh, yeah, of course, sometimes there's, there's clear inspiration or you're trying to tell a story, but other times you're just like, it, you know, you're like, uh, it's like a possession or you're being uh, uh, channeled or sure, something, yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, so, you know, stuff like that, you know, like I, 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 and yeah, and teachers would do that a lot, you yeah. know, like, well, will tell me exactly, you know, uh, what this Bob Dylan song is about. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, it, you know, and uh, years and years later, it's like, you know, you would find out it's like, yeah, but Bob can't even tell you exactly <laughs> what that song is about. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Because guess what? It's interpretation. You know, yeah, we yeah. all we all take what what we want out of something. You know, yeah. uh, I I remember really getting into Elvis Costello, who you mentioned earlier, and and uh, I thought I understood exactly what he was saying, and yeah. and I felt like nobody else could yeah. understand. You know. Yeah. And I understood exactly what he was saying according to me, right. you know, according to what I took from it, you yeah. know, and, and uh, yeah, I've never liked being like tested on that <laughs> stuff, you know, so like, yeah, what's flowers for Hitler? Well, what's it to you? You know, like, what does it mean to you? You know, and if you're, if you're just tr- trying to, you know, it sounds like he was just trying to catch you in, in a like, uh, oh, I, you know, I'm just trying to be cool or something. Well, you know, he, it's, he, it's a bit silly, you know, it yeah. kind of says something more about them. You yeah, know? it did. Well, in a you. way, in a way, you know, I was grateful that he did because uh, it made me ponder a little bit more about the whole structure of things, right? And uh, yeah, I mean, mm. he was, he was, he was trying to ring my bell for sure. I mean, you know, and, uh, and uh but in yeah. in the long run i mean i was grateful for many of the things that he introduced me to but yeah it's so it's so hilarious these you know you can't really get too academic about any of this stuff because in the end you're right it's it's about how the audience or the listener feels in their heart somehow you know yeah and it's just rock and roll <laughs> <laughs> exactly it's just rock and roll right we're supposed to be having fun yeah exactly <laughs> You are listening to Behind the Drive Shortcuts. My special guest today is Jerry Leger in conversation about his new album, Nothing Pressing. My name is Douglas McLean, and it's a great honor for me to be here with uh, you and with these artists, and this gentleman particularly, Jerry, really, 
really felt like he was a genuine, authentic person to meet, and his music certainly reflects that. This is Behind the Drive Shortcuts. One of the things I wanted to ask, too, is about Leighton Records, and if you could... uh, Yeah. um, How did you come in contact with them? And uh, that seems to have been a pretty strong... um, company to get involved with i mean they seem to have your back pretty good do um how did you do you mind sharing how you came in contact with them or yeah uh through my uh association with uh sky diggers who were also on Leighton. right um i had made a record in 2008 uh that josh finlison from sky diggers co-produced okay and uh yeah, and so he he introduced me to to Mike Timmons from the Junkies, and I I uh, I went over to their uh, they had a, a, a different uh, space uh, back then um, for recording and stuff like that, and I I went by and and did some demos, and we just kind of kept in touch, and. Uh, 2013 i i was going to see sky diggers at hughes room in toronto and on the on the way there when i got out of the subway i ran into to noel webb the the drummer and uh you know we were just chit-chatting and and i was saying how i i uh I wanted to make a new record. I was looking to make a new record and and maybe work with somebody else and and, in a different studio and just kind of like, you know, just a new experience. And, and he was like, well, just, you know, two doors down from Hughes room, Mike Timmons has opened like a new studio. Like, you know, uh, we checked it out. It's great. You should check it out. Maybe you would want to do something there. So I emailed Mike and, you know, a few days later, I went by there and he showed me around the studio and we got to talking and talking about the kind of records that, that we like making. And, and, uh, and I gave him some of my older albums that, that, uh, you probably hadn't heard. Um, cause it'd been a few years since, uh, since we, uh, had seen and talked to each other mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, I, I just said, yeah, I'd be interested in, in uh, making a record with you and recording in the studio. It seems great. And and then he uh, he said, well, you know, like, why don't we do it? You know, I have the label. Why don't we do it through the label? Right, know? yeah. And uh, so I signed with them. And, you know, this is the uh, fourth. The new one is the fourth. I think it's the fourth album we've made. Really? Uh, But one of those albums, uh, Nonsense and Heartache, was a double album that um, was two different albums, but we we released them together. together. So we've really made five albums together at this point. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. I, yeah. I've heard some really wonderful things. And it's things. been great. You know, yeah. it's been nice having some support. Yeah. I've heard some wonderful things about him uh, as a producer. I mean, he seems to be able to uh, hear something in the song and dig in there and pull it out. But it's, it sounds like it would be more collaborative uh, in your case because you have a fairly clear idea, it sounds like, of what you want to hear. I do. I have only had... I managed to get one song from Nonsense and Heartache, and uh, I've just been starting to listen to that. Mm. Like I said, I kind of missed your back catalog, but I'm going to go do a little bit of dig. The first song I, I really want to talk to you about is Have You Ever Been Happy? Because I'm just in love with that song and the video as well. So oh, first of all, it's a great song. I mean, I, I, since I only know a little bit of your catalog, you. it seems quite out of step with your other material in a way. It's got something so infectious, and uh, it just... What surprised me, first of all, when I heard it, was the timing of it, coming at the tail end of this crazy period we've lived through, and all of these historic moments, and then all of a sudden this song. Yeah. Can, can you talk us, a, I mean, just walk us through a little bit about maybe the 
spark that got that going? Because yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Do you mind sharing a little bit of that? Well, yeah. Well, uh, you know, you brought up Mike Timmons and, and uh, you know, him seeming like this, you know, a great producer that can, can uh, uh, you know, has an ear for things and pull things out. I mean, that was a song that he uh, uh, singled out. Oh, you know, really? Like for for me, uh, I I wrote a lot of songs in, yeah. in uh, you know twenty 2020 twenty and twenty twenty one. You know, like I mean twenty twenty, I wrote like fifty songs alone. <laughs> you know, and and uh, so I mean that song was just like uh, it was just in another another uh, uh, big book of songs that I wrote that oh, year, okay. and yeah. uh, it just came very quickly. Yeah. I wrote the music and words at the same time. It, it was just a very quick thing, and and I recorded a demo of it. And Mike heard something in it. You know, yeah. he heard the the potential of of it being, you know, uh, uh, a, a great song that a lot of people could connect with. You yeah. know, it does yeah. have a, a certain. Uh, uh, a good pop sensibility to it and um and yeah and with the video that's another we wanted to <laughs> I love, have fun you know and we, i love the, the song, video the song sounds the song sounds like a good time you know and we yeah. wanted the video to be like that too and yeah. and uh and you know i don't know exactly where the song came from but it but it is touching a bit on uh and uh, uh, just like, you know, all of us being considerate and respectful of, right. of one another. And I think in the pandemic, we could have used more of that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I think that's where the song came from for me. Yeah. And the lyrics are pretty interesting, too. I, I, I wrote them out, but then I, uh, I don't have them close to me to refer to. But there's some interesting lines in it, something about... Uh, Oh, I can't remember. A shattered stone, like the, it kind of turns the images inside out. And uh, I thought, well, that's pretty clever. Well, the video, though, mm. I just about died laughing because you guys are schlepping all this equipment up to this bowling alley. And, and I, I, you know, I played music for a few yeah. years and I always knew I made the big time when I played the bowling alleys. <laughs> <laughs> so I laughed and laughed, and that, but I didn't yeah. expect you guys to actually pl uh, to bowl. I mean, I thought it was a gig at first, and uh, it's a great. And I did how? Who put that together for you? I was you, happy. Yeah, we had fun. Yeah. Did you have a? Do you have a video team that does that sort of thing for you, or like do you friends? Uh, it was the, the director Colin Medley. Yeah, Colin Medley. He. Um, we were. I originally contacted him uh, to do a video for a song off of Time Out for Tomorrow, Corner Light. Right. And I had actually, so the bowling alley is right across from from where I live, and oh, okay. Uh, okay. and it's an old 1950s. It hasn't been updated that much since the 70s, right. but it's like well kept, and yeah. and. Uh, so I wanted to do the video there, and and uh, when I had contacted Colin uh, initially, he had suggested you know we could film this on sixteen millimeter, you know, oh, like really? an old sixteen yeah. millimeter camera, and like, oh, that's great. Yeah. And then the pandemic hit, so things you right. know things were uh, were paused. Yeah. And uh, for this record, I contacted him about making a video for this song. And sticking with that 16 millimeter idea. And I wasn't even thinking about the bowling alley for that song because I, I just wanted to see where Colin would take it, you right, know, based yeah. on the song and, and yeah. the lyrics and stuff like that. You know, with Corner Light, there's a certain nostalgic mood to that, to the lyrics and and to kind of like uh uh I don't know, like I pit with Corner Light, I, I pictured I pictured like an older couple and 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 kind of holding on to these memories that they had back right. in the 50s. I don't know. There's like a certain I had like a, a bit of a thematic thing in my head with that. Yeah. Um, 
but I had sent Colin a photo of just an idea of like, like, I think I want to wear this jacket, you know, the certain jacket. In <laughs> yeah, the video. Yeah. And the, the promo photo was me in the bowling alley. Cause right. I, I did a promo shoot of photos there because I wanted to do something at this bowling alley. Right. Cause I thought it was so cool. So we did photos yeah. and he noticed it was the bowling alley. And he said like, well, why don't we film the video there? Like that—that'd be really cool because there's also a line in the song "Crashing Bowling." Bowling pod, yeah, that's and right. And I wasn't even thinking about right, that. Right, yeah, yeah. So, so then the the concept moved to that. Oh, we'll do the video there. We'll we'll get the band together, and it will be a very fun day because mm. coming out, yeah. trying to come out of this pandemic, yeah. it's like we we wanted that. And and it was very fun, and it was extremely enjoyable to be right. with friends eating pizza and yeah. bowling yeah. and and uh you know and just having a we had a great day you know yeah. everybody had a lot of fun and and it's uh and colin did a great job filming it and editing it yeah well you can yeah. you can tell that you're all enjoying yourselves and of course the song is so uplifting that it just fits the mood but yeah i mean i i was struck by uh I just talked to a musician a couple of days ago, and he said, "You know, being a musician, you're actually a furniture mover. <laughs> you know, you're dragging so much stuff in and out of places." And, yeah, that's true. And uh, watching your band move, you know, pull the amps and drums up the stairs. Especially if you're a drummer. Yeah, of course, you have to go up to the second floor, right? How many gigs are on a second floor? It's just crazy. <laughs> anyway, I loved it. It's got a timely timelessness to it. I mean, and it is so that faded look is from the 16 millimeter camera is that because it's got an old yeah that's all real really oh man it's great yeah that's like the color the grain i mean that's yeah. just because it was an old it's, camera from the it's 60s not, it's not a filter it's oh wow that's great no yeah now no. and how long has that song been out is it um because i hadn't heard about it or seen any it's been out for a month or two i guess right yeah late january oh really so are you getting lots of attention from it or how, how is it going that way yeah i mean it's it's uh i think so like the video has been seen i guess about forty thousand times, times yeah. on youtube yeah and it's been played on uh it got played on uh uh if you know that uh that Sirius XM channel Underground Garage. Oh right, Steve, yeah, yeah, yeah. Stephen Van Zant. Right. So it's been played on that quite a bit. Oh, uh, that's and great. BBC overseas and and CBC's played it a bit here and yeah. Uh, yeah. And then we we released another single a few weeks later with a video Underground Blues. Blues, yeah. And, now that's. Uh, yeah, you know, it's just we we I think like the the folks at the label wanted to do kind of like a, a, a like a fire shot of singles right. leading up to the yeah, album well, release this time around. You know, you're always trying different things to right, see yeah, yeah. to see what works and yeah. and uh, you know. Yeah. So I and think I, that was the idea behind that. Yeah, and of course that's the way a lot of people are approaching approaching album releases these days you know do three or four singles in advance and of course with streaming and everything yeah. it's changed everything so much so it's not like the you know not the album yeah is that's a big event. that's the motivation there right yeah. it's it, yeah i think it's really the streaming that's yeah. uh made that kind of rapid fire yeah of singles yeah. coming out um you know, I put out a few singles during the pandemic. Yeah, that's uh, that did quite well. Actually. Yeah, Humber was um, what was the name? Jumped jumped in the yeah, Humber. Yeah, well, that one did quite well. That was great. Well, it, the timing, I think it came out like uh, what was it like somewhere at the end of the summer or something, didn't it? I think if I remember correctly, of the first year of the pandemic, I thought I can't remember that. Oh, that was. Yeah, that was a different single. That was oh. uh, Halfway Till Gone that I did oh, with right. Don Stevenson from right. Moby Grave. That came out the summer 2020, and then January 2021, we put out Jumped in the Humber. Yeah. And then uh, I had a third single, uh, uh, Sweep It Under the Rug. Right. And, uh, yeah, and, and it was just to, to help keep things going, you know. We put out these singles the poetry book i put out a surprise record right. songs from the apartment which right. were just 
almost like acoustic demos, you right. know, with, yeah. with one room mic. So right. it's picking up everything. You know, yeah. You're hearing a car go by and right. stuff. And, yeah. and a lot of people really attached themselves to that record. It was quite surprising. Um, you know, I was just doing it as like a fun thing to do almost therapeutic for me at the the beginning of of uh you know everything going the way that it went uh but i, I think like the in- intimacy of it really resonated with people yeah, yeah. um so that that was quite nice yeah. you know and, I, and uh and yeah yeah well i think there's been an appetite for actually that kind of album there's been a few of those released in the last uh, while um when i listened to uh um uh, the two songs you know uh, underground blues and have you ever been happy the contrast between the two is so great i was trying to imagine yeah. what this album is going to sound like um yeah what's so, <laughs> so uh, underground blues is well that was also on purpose too oh, is it? Okay. you know that was yeah that was on purpose uh yeah as like an in-between single because there'll be a third single coming oh, okay. out uh and uh and that one would be the relationship is closer to have you ever been happy okay uh where underground blues we wanted to um have this kind of like uh like deep down yeah that's a that's... little more uh uh yeah, a little more more grit, a little more mellow. Yeah. Um, as like a, a as an in between thing while you're waiting for the album, yeah. you know. Because yeah. Uh, yeah, have you ever been happy? It was the first major single, you know, and that still has legs. You know, that's yeah. still doing its thing, and it's still being picked up by different radio stations and and. Uh, so underground blues was just kind of like uh, 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 yeah, just like a, a, a what would you call it? You know, like an in between kind yeah. of single. It's it's the answer to Have you ever been happy? <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, it's it's lyrically related. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, you know, yeah. it's lyrically related because this new album is is very. Uh, 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 there's a lot of uh, subconscious writing oh, going okay. on, you know. Yeah. Uh, uh, the, there's certain things I wasn't specifically writing about, but there's a there's a, a feeling, right? And right. Uh, you know, it's a, it's quite um, it's quite a, a, a deep record, you know. I, I think uh, I think this album is is, is uh, uh, the most me, you know, they've all been me, of course. Yeah. And they, you know, they all have been, but, but this one is, uh, you know, it just has, it has a lot of personality in it. It has a lot of uh, different emotions in it. Oh, can't um, wait. That's why I think like on a human level, it's very relatable to right. a lot of people. Yeah. So I'm excited for them to hear it yeah. because I, I think it is, one of those companion records, you know, uh, 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 Time Over Tomorrow is the kind of album that you would put on for comfort. Right. Um, uh, this record is is uh, is more when when you're needing a little bit of help. Okay. You know? Okay. Well, it's, it's more of a it's it's a it's a it's a it's a it's a companion, you know. Right. Yeah. So something you'll grow with, maybe, um, you know, maybe yeah. an album. One yeah, of those, definitely. One... I had a, a writer sent me a, a, just that, uh, a guy in, in uh, Germany. He, he said that he'd been listening to it a lot. Yeah. And he was like, this album started off as a grower and it became a masterpiece. Wow. You know? And I, so that, that, that meant a lot because it, it's an album that needs to be listened to, yeah. I think, more than any record I've made so yeah. far. Yeah. Well, even the title is intriguing, you know, nothing pressing, but at the same time, maybe there is something important. <laughs> you know, nothing pressing seems to be, well, it's just a, a throw off, but at the same time, maybe there's yeah. a, little, uh, a little bit of entendre in there. Um, well, you know, you mentioned Corner yeah. Light, which is a song that I love off of uh, Time Out for Tomorrow. Uh, 
But uh, maybe we could talk a little bit about Survived Like a Stone, which I think is truly exemplary songwriting and comes on the album. I mean, it, the contrast is so profound to the other songs on the album. Do you mind yeah. taking us through a little bit of that and just sharing a little bit about that? Because some pretty strong writing in there, I'll tell you. Yeah, I, well, thank you. Um, yeah, the idea of that song, you know, thinking about stones and rocks that have been here for millions of years, you know, we right. come and go. Right. But uh, but they're, they're still here, you know, they're, and, and we, we can, you know, if you believe in it, we we uh we spiritually survive or we survive through others you know right. like we have our own kind of survival um that uh is unlike you know un- unlike that and also comparable to that right. and um yeah, it was a song I wrote on piano and, and it just sounded better on guitar. So I, yeah. I moved over to it. Um, we did it kind of like, uh, I kind of pictured it like a, like a spaghetti western music. Oh, yeah. Like yeah. Marconi music. Yeah. You know, good, bad, and the ugly and stuff like that. I wanted, that's why in those choruses, I wanted themes and the, and the backup vocals to sound like they were coming off the hills. Right. Yeah. Sorry, I just got an interference. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I wanted. I just had an interference yeah, with okay. my video, so I wanted um, to. Yeah. So you you wanted to have it sound okay. like big spaghetti? Yeah. yeah. It's it's got a quite a, a unique uh, sound. Uh, it must have been tricky to catch that yeah it's one. i mean it's a song about mortality right right it's yeah. a song about mortality and 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 spirituality okay uh you know i've i've, I've always been into the spiritual side of things you know okay. like i'm i'm uh i'm definitely a believer in in uh I, ghosts you know i don't know exactly uh you know what what it is and how it is but uh but i but i do have a certain belief of of uh that that we leave um some kind of energy behind right. and uh and i've just always been fascinated by the the idea that that you know you you could be you could pick up a stone and and it's just it's yeah. just it's been there forever you right. know yeah and uh and that just kind of it led to this song about life and death and and you know what's what's after death and what's not after death i mean who really knows yeah well that's for sure Hey, thanks for listening. This is Behind the Drive Shortcuts. My name is Douglas McLean. We were in conversation here with Jerry Leger. Great, great songwriter and a wonderful person, I think. I hope to meet him someday down the road. His new album, Nothing Pressing, is really exciting. So I hope you enjoyed the show.